There's some things in life that just go together. Peanut butter and jelly, salt and pepper, hot dogs and apple pie. You just think of those things together. Well, on today's program, we're going to be thinking about two other things that naturally go together, and that is opportunities and adversity. My name's John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be talking about those two things, opportunities and adversity. And it may be today that you are facing some adversity in your life, and it has got you so very discouraged. And yet, as we're going to learn on today's program, those adversities that you're facing should actually be affirmations to you, or at least they could be affirmations to you, that you are on the right path. It may be that you are facing adversity because you are indeed trying to do what God wants you to do. God has placed opportunities in front of you. You're trying to walk through those doors and the devil doesn't want you to do it. And he's trying to stop you. The devil is our enemy. He is our adversity. And many times in life when we face adversity, it is just a sign that we're doing exactly what God called us to do. Now, if you have your Bibles today, I wish you would open it to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, and we're going to be looking in verse number 9, and let me go ahead and read you that verse, and it'll come up again in the sermon today. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul was talking. He was talking about some opportunities that he had been given by God to share the gospel. And he said an interesting thing. He said, a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Think about that. A great and effective door had opened to the Apostle Paul, and yet there were many adversaries that he confronted along the way. A godly pastor whom I love dearly, Adrian Rogers, once said this, the door of opportunity swings on the hinges of adversity. And so today, you may be facing those adversities, but be encouraged. God is with you. And on today's program, I think you're going to be blessed. We're in for a real treat today in that my father, Charles Redmond, who is the senior pastor here at First Baptist in Pasadena, we're going to be listening to a sermon he preached to our church not long ago where he talked about this verse and he talked about other people in the Bible who faced adversity. And I pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you like it was to all of us who heard it when he preached it live. You would think really off the top of your head that any person that's trying to obey God, trying to serve God, would never encounter uh, opposition, adversities, difficulties. I mean, it just doesn't make really sense. You'd think, well, if, if a man or a woman is trying to serve the Lord, obey God, whether it be a minister or a layperson, matters not. Surely to goodness, nothing hard would come their way. Well, the opposite is the truth. And we know that, first of all, because the Bible teaches that. So, number two, as you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, for example, the Old Testament prophets, there's the old prophet Jeremiah. He faithfully obeyed God. He served God for 40 years in a very difficult ministry. And he encountered tremendous opposition from his own people. It's just hard to believe. 
And then we think about the great prophet Isaiah. You know, tradition tells us that Isaiah was placed in a hollowed tree trunk, and the tree trunk with him inside was sawed in two. Now, that's tradition. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37, if you want to jot that verse down, you don't read about a tree trunk, but you do read about some of God's servants being sawed in two. And so tradition says one of those servants was uh, Isaiah. I, I think about the apostle Paul. No one was more obedient to what God said do in their service than the apostle Paul. But the fact of the matter is, uh, he experienced just unbelievable things. In fact, if you were turning your Bible to the book of 2 Corinthians, would you do that, please? If you're where you can, you're watching by streaming. Likewise, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, I want to just show you what Paul had to say about what he went through, or at least part of what he went through. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 and following, Paul said, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils, that word means dangers. In dangers of waters, in dangers of robbers, in dangers of my own countrymen. In dangers of the Gentiles, in dangers in the city in dangers in the wilderness, in dangers in the sea, in dangers among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleepliness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things which come upon me daily. Now, you'd have a hard time reading that to someone and saying, now, hey, if you'll obey God and you'll serve God, this is what's coming. Well, we don't all experience exactly everything the apostle Paul, but the fact of the matter is when you think about it, no one obeyed God the Father more than Jesus the Son, and he ended up on a cross being crucified. So this idea that, you know, if you're trying to serve God, you're trying to do what God has given you to do, whether it be ministry or a layperson, matters not, that you're going to just have an easy way. No, it doesn't work that way. It works the opposite of that way. The fact of the matter is you're going to have opposition. You're going to have persecution. You're going to have criticism. You're going to have adversities. And it is just inevitable. I think in my own life as a minister, the times in my life as a minister that I felt that God had made clear to me what I was to do, and what I was to lead my church to do. And I committed to do that. Those were the times that I personally experienced uh, more opposition, more adversity, and more difficulty than any other times in my ministry. And I could go back over the whole 50 years and just say, you know, here was a time, and here was a time, and here was a time, and these were hard times. And in each one of those times, I was seeking to do as best I knew how to obey what God had put in my heart, had made clear to me, and serve the Lord. And that's just how it is. So I say to you, if you are a worker in God's kingdom, what it might be, matters not. Minister, layperson, matters not. Know this, if you're really serious about it, 
and you're determined to do what God makes clear to you to do, you are going to encounter some hard times. That's just how it goes. Now, having said that, uh, I want you to turn with me back in the book of 1 Corinthians, and I want to show you a verse that has helped me time and time again, especially when I go through different difficulties as best I understand, trying to obey God and serve the Lord. And it will do the very same thing for you. Now, if we're in 1 Corinthians, brief background of the book of 1 Corinthians. Number one, just remember this. Before we read the scripture here, the apostle Paul, and you can read this in Acts chapter 18, founded the church back in ancient Corinth. I've been there uh, two or three times. And Corinth in Paul's day was known for its immorality. There were over a thousand uh, prostitutes involved in the worship of their false gods in Corinth. It was just a wicked, wicked city. And the apostle Paul went, he went to the synagogues, he preached Christ, and numbers of people turned from false gods to the true and living God, and Paul's church did rather well. But then about a year and a half later, the apostle Paul leaves uh, Corinth, goes through the inner regions, and comes over to Ephesus. And not very long after he got in Ephesus, the church he founded back in Corinth was having some problems. And so they sent a group of people with a letter over to see Paul in Ephesus to get his counsel, to get his wisdom, and to get his suggestions to how to deal with some of these problems. Now, we do not have the letter that they sent to Paul, but we have the letter he sent back to them, and it is the book we know as 1 Corinthians. So that brief background helps us. Now, in this letter he sent back to them, as it came to conclusion and comes to conclusion, it becomes very, very personal. And if you look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, let's pick up in verse number 5. And the apostle Paul said, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. And then in verse 8, he said, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. So he's in Ephesus. And he's sending this letter back to the believers in Corinth. Now, verse 9 is the verse. This is the verse that has energized me time and time and time again. The Paul said, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. A great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, the little phrase, a great and effective door, is not speaking about a wood on a hinge. It's a metaphor. And the metaphor means literally, and what he's saying is, I have a new opportunity. But then look what else he says. Very, very interesting. Not only a great and effective door is open to me, uh, a new opportunity, and A and D, there are many adversaries. Now, had I written that verse, <laughs> I would have used a different conjunction. I would have said, but, B-U-T. 
I checked the major translations this week. I find no major translations that translates the word any other than the word and. This is very, very important. Apostle Paul is saying, a great and effective door is open to me, many new opportunities, and there are many adversaries. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's very simply saying, you know, uh, this, this, is a, uh, this is an unchanging word picture of serving Christ. In other words, when you're trying to obey God, don't forget this. What it be matters not. You're trying to serve the Lord. Understand, there will be these adversaries. And instead of there being discouragement, no, no. It's almost like they energized. Paul stayed in Ephesus longer because there were these uh, adversities. You see, the adversities become affirmation. You know, when you're trying to do what God wants you to do, you just have to understand that Satan, the Bible describes, in fact, one of the 18 names for Satan in the Bible is adversary. The devil dashed the adversary, one of his 18 names in the Bible. He is the adversary and his forces always go into action when you're trying to serve God and obey what God has given you to do. It's, it's, if it were but, it would be like, I see this open door, but I've got all this stuff here. And, you know, I think I'll pack and leave town. Well, he didn't pack and leave town at this moment. In fact, he didn't want to leave town at all. They made him leave town rather than be killed. But the fact of the matter is he looked at these uh, adversaries and, he, and it was an affirmation. And I look back in my life, every time some uh, adversary comes along, if I believe in my heart that what I'm trying to do is to obey God and serve God, instead of making me want to pack and ship out, it just stirs me on to say, hey, this is an, uh, uh, an affirmation, and it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. Now, in this verse, look at it again with me quickly. Uh, a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. There are, there are two things made clear in this verse. And number one is, uh, in Christian service, when you're trying to serve God, in whatever capacity it may be, there are endless open doors of opportunities. That's one of the great things about serving God. People need Jesus, amen? And people have needs that can be met in the name of Jesus. And so in Christian service, there are endless, there are endless uh, open doors of opportunities. And number two, in Christian service, uh, there are endless adversaries. And we need, we need to get this fixed because as we embark to do what God now has for us to do as a church, this is what we will encounter over and over and over again, just like we've encountered every time we've ever tried to do the things that God has given us to do. Now, no church in the New Testament had the opposition any more than this church that Paul was at in Ephesus when he wrote this letter. Because in Ephesus, there was the great temple of Diana. Diana was a multi-breasted fertility goddess. And there was a big temple built there in Ephesus. I've been to Ephesus several times. Many of the columns of the temple are still there. In fact, the temple of Diana was almost 
four times the size of the Parthenon in Athens, Greece. Monstrous, monstrous. And the people there in Ephesus, what they did, they made these silver shrines of the goddess Diana and they sold them, not only in Ephesus, but in that part of the world. It was a really lucrative, good business to be in. And one of the men that had one of the major businesses where they actually, with their hands, made this uh, image of Diana, made with hands. And of course, Paul was there preaching that the, the true God's not made with hands. The true God is the Christ. And many people were turning from the false God, Diana, to the, the false goddess, Diana, to the true God. And it was hurting business. And a man named Demetrius, it's in Acts chapter 19, maybe this afternoon or whenever, if you want to read a really chapter in the Bible packed with action, read Acts chapter 19. It tells all about this. A man named Demetrius who owned one of the big uh, companies, we would say, that made these silver shrines of Diana, he got his other business people together that did the same thing. And they had a meeting. He said, look, this man named Paul, he's, he's hurting our business. People have ceased buying as many of these silver shrines because they're believing that Christ is, is the true answer. And they said, we've got to do something. So what they did, they drug some of Paul's companions into this theater. I've been into that theater. And they were about to uh, kill them, and a riot broke out. And they, Paul wanted to go in, and his associates said, no, Paul, if you go in that theater, they'll kill you. So they wouldn't let him go in. All that's in Acts chapter 19, tremendous, tremendous chapter. So that is the, that's the background of what's going on here in Ephesus. And, you know, it's just such an unbelievable thing when I look at what Paul says in this verse, a great and effective door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, you see... As we think about beyond these walls, there's a radio ministry. You know, that's an interesting thing. I shared this with the church back in August of 2016. August 2016. We finally, the day we wanted, Sunday morning, the time we wanted, exact time we wanted, so it came open. And so we bought this one radio station. I shared that in August. We didn't have any money in the budget for it. And I just shared it with the people. And I said, this is what it costs each week. And if you have a heart for this over above your tithes, if you would, if you, then here's how you can help us. Just pay for a whole Sunday, a half a Sunday, whatever it be. Well, the end of that is, let's go to the end of that. Today, what started is one station just sharing with the people. Today, let me tell you where the radio station is. Not only in Houston, it's in Dallas, San Antonio. Albuquerque, New Mexico, Sulphur Springs, Texas, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Augusta, Georgia, Lenore City, Tennessee, Bakersfield, California, San Francisco, California, and United States and Canada on Sirius XM. It's in all these places. And you know how it's being paid for? People have a passion above their tithes and offerings. They give to this. The fact of the matter is since August of 2016, there has been $78,961 given to pay for the radio ministry from our church members and from people outside of our church that hear the radio ministry, that believe in the radio ministry. We've got the bill paid through July, and there's still money to pay for August. Now, how did all this happen? I'll tell you exactly how it happened. God made very clear something beyond the walls of our church. And see, here's what I've learned about God. 
When God works on one end, he works on the other end. You agree with that? Timing is not always the same. If God makes very clear to me something, and I, I, with all my heart, I believe this is what God wants, and I share it with the church. Now, I have to understand they have to have time to think about it, pray about it, maybe it hadn't crossed their mind. So we may not be together at the moment, but if it is from God, here's what will always happen. It will all be one together. Well, those of us at First Baptist in Pasadena are truly excited about the radio ministry that God has given us and the door that He has opened for us to take the gospel beyond the walls of our church into these different cities, into, into Houston and Dallas and San Antonio and Sulphur Springs, Texas and Lenore City, Tennessee, Bakersfield, California, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, San Francisco, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Augusta, Georgia, and then to be on Sirius XM all across the United States and Canada, we are so very excited that God has opened a door for us to be in your city. And so that even though it's over the airways and it's not quite the same as being in the same church with you, at least we can be together in this way, and we're just thankful to God for the doors that He has opened for us. When we first started our radio program, we knew that we had to give it a name, and so we thought about some different names, and maybe we can call it this, or maybe we should call it that, and we ended up calling our program Peace by Believing, and the reason we chose that name is because of a verse in Romans chapter 15 that says this. It's, if you have your Bible, it's Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, and the Bible says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul talks about uh, having peace in believing in Jesus Christ, joy and peace by believing in Jesus. And so we just call our program Peace by Believing because God wants us to have peace in our hearts. That's, that's your greatest need. That's my greatest need. That is humanity's greatest need, to have the peace of God in our hearts. And the only way that we can have that is by trusting in Jesus Christ. The greatest lesson I've ever learned in all my life is simply this. Peace is the result of trusting Jesus. Peace doesn't come from circumstances. Peace doesn't come from other people. Peace doesn't come from having a lot of money in the bank. Peace doesn't come from having a great job or even a great family. Peace comes from trusting Jesus Christ. The Bible says that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so after we trust Jesus to be our Lord and to be our Savior, that's when we begin to experience the very peace of God in our heart. And if you have never received Christ, if you have never come to that place where you have made your peace with God or where you have received God's peace by trusting in Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer that you can pray today that will lead you to peace. It'll lead you to salvation. Would you just pray this? Say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. I trust you, Jesus, right now with all my heart, with all my soul to be my Lord and to be my Savior. In your name I pray, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, not only did you ask Jesus to save you, but think about what you just did. You just trusted Jesus. So you're trusting Jesus now to be your Lord and Savior. And as you trust Him and as you continue to trust Him, you're going to find that He fills your heart with His peace. I would encourage you today or sometime soon to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. And 
The team that we have has done a tremendous amount of work in putting that website together. There are many archive sermons on a wide array of topics. They're all about 25 minutes in length, and so they make great podcasts. You can listen to them while you're walking on your treadmill or walking around the neighborhood or while you're exercising, and uh, I think they'll be a blessing to you. Also on our website, we have a tab called Spiritual Growth, and if you'll click on that tab, you will find not only a brief description of how to have peace with God, but if you'll just scroll down, you'll find a lot of booklets that we have written over the years that talk about a lot of different topics from the storms of life to loneliness to waiting on God to how to make heaven your home and lots of other things too. And so just go to our website, peacebybelieving.org. There's even a place where you can contact us. We would love to hear from you and love to hear that our program is being a blessing to you.